Rider Dojo. I'm back. I totally forgot to think of one. <laughs> Everybody, welcome back to the Rider Dojo. Larry and I are super pleased to have you with us again today. Today, we're going to talk about something, Larry, that I saw on the internet, on the interwebs, as they say, as the cool kids say these days. Uh, and I think it was, I think I actually saw it because of you on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I know which one of this is. Yeah, and we can't read Larry's responses on, on the air. No, there's too many bad words. Um, we would beep out all the swear words, but then the beeps would turn into swear words for, through Morse code, so we can't do that. Um, we're going to talk about problematic authors. Yep. The problem with problematic authors. There was a, there was a, a little tweet going around where an author said something to the effect of, I've compiled a list of all these problematic authors and you shouldn't be reading them because they're terrible, horrible X, Y, Z. And she had a reason for each one too. Oh yeah. It was, it was a whole list. I think there was 40. It was pretty much like an Excel spreadsheet, I think. Yeah. Not a very good one either. Terrible. Um, I was more offended by that. Exactly. It was, that was like government spreadsheeting right there, baby. Oh, so bad. So she would list the author and then say, it would be like, uh, John Smith and his, his crime against humanity was conservative. And or then J.K. Rowling. J.K. Was Rowling on was is um, is transphobic. Actually, I should have opened with a J.K. Rowling quote. Oh, I totally should have. Too face. late for that. I know it's too late. There's, Dobby wants his don't, socks or whatever. Sorry, but there's there you don't got the you don't got the stopwatch that reverses time. Oh man, suck it. Such a plot hole. So, um, anyway, so I'm reading through this list, um, well, which Steve saw because my response because your response was. Very reason. Very, very reason. Polite. I think the biggest thing you were offended was that you you were offended about was that you weren't on the list. In fact, it's funny because the reason <laughs> I saw this was about forty of my fans tagged me and they're like, "How come you're not on here?" And I went through the list, and it's funny. To be fair, this woman was so easily offended that it wasn't political because she had people from the left, the right, the center, question mark, who knows. Oh, gosh. Neil Gaiman was on there. Uh, Brandon Sanderson was on there. People who died before the modern American left and right. Obviously, Lovecraft was on there. Oh, easily. Because um, you can tell someone's emotional maturity by the, by how quickly they bring up Lovecraft racism. Uh, George Martin was on there. Yeah. Which, to be know, fair, he is super rapey. Well, which is funny because the reason I put George Martin on there is laziness. <laughs> <laughs> he's a problematic author because he's just lazy. That's what I'd put him on there for. No, but it's it was interesting because you had this, it was like you know forty something authors, and she was very proud of this. And my response was basically a I'm super offended that I did not make the cut. Yeah, I have worked way harder than most of these wimps. That's true. Because there was a bunch of authors on there that were pretty innocuous. Innocent. I think Tolkien was on there. Yeah, and I'm like, come on, man. I have worked hard to be offensive against people like you. Yeah. And then the second part was I, I talked about her intelligence and character. Yes. Uh, in, in a way yes. that was polite yeah. and did not involve maybe less than 10 or 12 efforts, which is saying quite a bit because, you know, you, don't, you have a very limited character account oh, yeah. uh, on Twitter. So you have to <laughs> try. You have to use the F word as a noun, adjective, adverb. It's like that scene uh, in the Y. Yeah, the pronouns. Yeah. I should just put those as my pronouns. Um, 
I use a lot of bad language on Twitter because let's be honest, people deserve it. Um, but it's interesting because you had this programmatic author list and there was a lot of responses from authors. Uh, there were some like mine that were polite and diplomatic. And there was some that were actually pretty poignant and well thought out. Yeah. So what I want to do, Larry, I want to read one of these. Because I think this illustrates an interesting point. One is that it's, uh, it's like that Facebook meme of like the King Arthur's Court where they all have their, their swords in the center. And it's like all these people from all the different, they put a little tag on each of them. And it's like, you know, old fans, new fans, you know, Jewish people, Mormons, uh, anarchists, anarchists. Libertarians. And it's like, and they're all pointing to the center where it says dog new, people, cat people. Yeah. In the middle, it says Star Wars, new Star Wars sucks. Right. Like, <laughs> like they all agree. Right. Um, this is one of the situations. Yeah. I, all the authors were putting our swords in the middle. Larry, there's, there's a few authors who I consistently talk about how much I love. Mm-hmm. One of them is Robert McCammon. Um, big, big McCammon fan. The other Steve one is, is Joe Lansdale. And I know that you're a big fan of Joe also. I think he is brilliant. He is just a staggeringly good author. Oh, yeah. If you guys haven't read Joe Lansdale's book, he's been around for a very long time. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, he, and, and the thing with him, apart from just being just one, a super nice guy two absurdly good, just absurdly good at writing. Um, he also happens to be the direct polar opposite of Larry on the political spectrum. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, he's, he's no, uh, he, he, he's been very open about this and that he was a conscientious objector during Vietnam. Right? The character from Hap and Leonard is, he's Hap. Yeah. Like, that's him. Um, so I want to read what Joe Lansdale said to this in response to this. Uh, he says, and I quote, I don't write to have pretty manners, and I don't include trigger warning because I have no idea what triggers folks. Writing at its best is supposed to be confrontational. And sometimes people are triggered by words, not the internet. There's another part to this that we'll read uh, probably in the back half of the episode. But I want to I I talk about this quote right here because I think, I think it's pretty telling that someone like Joe Lansdale basically just looked at this, at this list of confrontational authors. And I'm actually surprised he's not on that list because um, I believe Mark Twain was on her list of confrontation or of uh, of uh, problematic authors because um, because he used the N word in a you know in a period piece. Joe Lansdale does that in Spades because he almost only writes period pieces. Oh yeah, and authentic. Like authentic. I mean, you read the bottoms. Oh, I read oh, Edge of Dark a Water. Good book. Um, you know, The Thicket is one of my favorite books. Uh, yeah, and there's a lot of the stuff set in like I like East Texas. Yeah, in like nineteen twenties East yeah. Texas, right? Yeah, you're you're gonna get some you're gonna get some interesting colorful language. I mean, come on, people, it, 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 like people were hard as nails, tough, scrambling to survive, yeah. uh, you know, broke, poor, struggling. Uh, you're dealing with all sorts of issues and violence and everything else, and he's writing about criminals. Yeah, what do you expect? Well, and so I'm actually kind of surprised that he didn't make the list based on all that. Just like me, he got just cheated. like you. I think it's you both of, got cheated. I'm thinking it's because of her lack of reading. 
Yeah, she probably just cherry picked. People people like this really usually don't actually read much. Yeah. But here's what I like. Um, I want to talk about the first part first, where he says, um, I don't write to have pretty manners. <laughs> I love that. Yep. That's the, I mean, if you two are somehow spiritual brothers. Um, he's like, and I don't include trigger warnings because I have no idea what triggers folks. That's true. And I like that. I mean, I've written stuff. You've written stuff. The Just the idea of telling someone, oh, by the way, you should watch out because I talk about this super thing that's very blah, blah. What's the point? Because if I tell that to, to person A, maybe they care. Probably not. Or I tell it to person B, do they care? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. Like, there's going to come a point where you're just telling people, and most people don't care. There's kind of like, if you were to write a book that was free of everything that might trigger somebody and might have somebody feel bad things or feel unpleasant, you just wrote oatmeal. I mean, there is... Like, like base oatmeal. Like, no fruit, no brown sugar. Oatmeal. Like, I'm not even sure that you put water in it. It's just the oats. (laughs) They're just boring. And even that probably offended somebody. Probably. That's the thing, guys. Everything offends somebody. Yes. I seen somebody one time throw a fit about a book because it had spiders in it. Oh, I They didn't know there was going to be spiders in the book. I had reviews on Residue where they, they were offended, offended that my characters weren't having more sex. (laughs) <laughs> in my YA novel that takes place over a week as monsters are killing everybody. It, it, you never know, and something's going to offend somebody, guaranteed. For example, someone was almost offended. I don't think I was truly offended, but we're going we're gonna to use him because it's our favorite reference now. Um, we had a guy offended that there weren't enough rats eating people in Servants of War. <laughs> that, that was... That has since become our running joke about how we need to up. The, that's what we have is Stephen and I's like horror and bleakness quotient yeah. is the number of rats eating people. Yes. Like yes. this is a three rat book. Yeah, yeah. Servants of War as it stands is probably a six or a seven. Yeah, but but this guy wanted nine This guy wanted rats. nine to 11. Yeah. So on we, a scale of 10. Yeah, we just didn't have enough rats eating no, people. We'll get there. So next part, and this is this is really beautifully stated. Oh, he's a wordsmith. He's, if you guys, once again, just to accentuate, if you guys have he's not He's deceptively read, a wordsmith. He has a collection of short fiction called In Evil Hands, I believe. Um, By? By Evil Hands? By, no, it's by, by, um. I, I, I don't remember what it is. By Something Hands. It's so good. One of the best collections of short fiction I have ever, and Steve's looking it up now. I'm but sorry. Uh, Lonsdale is a wordsmith top tier like and very super evocative so that collection is called by bizarre hands okay i was close yeah yeah he has that dude is one of the few guys out there who who's just a machine at putting together short stories and they're almost all good in fact uh, one of his short stories was in um the third season of love death and robots Mm, oh cool or maybe it's the second season i think it's the second season it's in the tall grass um, which I'm I'm a little upset that neither you nor I are in 
uh, have had our stories animated for that show. Oh, well, it's never going to happen for me, let's be honest. I know. The one that we wrote for the for the Weird Wars 3 China, that one should totally be in, in one of those. We've written a that lot. That story's awesome. Anyway, so the part of this, though, that I want to talk about next, which is just just gorgeously stated, is the part where Lansdale says that writing at its best is supposed to be confrontational. I love that. I love that. Because it is the direct opposite to what a certain demographic of people out there are saying right now. What they are saying now is that there can't be any confrontation, that there can't be any dissension, that you have to do things a certain way and you can only do them in the way in which we tell you you can do them. I saw one, and I really think it's a it's a perfect example of this. And I I can't stand George Martin. I've made that I'm very clear many many <gasps> times. I know. Oh well, but like they got the new House of the Dragon show is on yeah. HBO right now, and I've seen this meme going around that they're super offended because there's like sexism and misogyny in it, and they're like, the defenders are saying, well, it's historically accurate, and the memes are all, well, it's not historically accurate because it's make believe, and there's why is your make believe world have bad things in it? And so this is like we were talking about. It's it's yeah, yeah. That's that's his personal story choice. I'm not nearly like I don't write that kind of stuff. I'm not like no. that. I'm, I'm but not, I'm but not you a, know what? As much as I dislike him as well, I will defend his right to write that. Exactly. He has every right in the world. If that is the world that he created, he created a bleak, dark, hopeless, nihilistic, grim world without heroes. It's all jerk yeah. faces and victims. It's all it's all scumbags and and b- double crossing, backstabbing murder and rape and awfulness mm-hmm. that's his world he created it and uh it is yeah. his art the idea that he has to sanitize it and turn it into like rainbow kitten surprise yeah that is the worst and most dangerous idea ever for fiction guys and as writers as artists as creatives you owe it to yourself to look at those people that tell you that and spit in their face absolutely metaphorically Definitely metaphorically. The other way isn't sanitary, and in some countries, that's assault. Yeah. So what I'm saying, guys, is that kind of thing, when someone tells you as an artist what you are allowed or not allowed to do because it's problematic, nah, you do what you want. You make your art. You are the same people. You speak your truth. Uh, (laughs) My truth, Larry. Larry, my truth is that the world should be non-confrontational. Good. You go write that book. Yeah, you know what? Well, I'm for sure not going to write that book. I'm the guy who's going to write like, yeah, like murder princess Battle galore. Planet. You know, it, the thing is, guys, and I, what what Lansdale said there is, is spot on. It, it honestly, confrontation is part of writing. Conflict is part of writing. Yeah. If you have a book without conflict, it's boring. Every scene needs some form of conflict in it, whether it's person versus person. Uh, idea versus idea, it, anything from a spaceship battle to two two girls arguing about a dress. It doesn't matter. You have to have some form of conflict. Yeah, there's got to be a battle, even if it's something where everything's happening, but if they're trying to stay ahead of sadness, whatever it is, you have to have some form of conflict. Otherwise, it's boring. Well, there's just no. It's just pointless. So, uh, anyway, I, I love the way that, I love the way that Joe Lansdale said that. Now, 
That's just part one. He also had a second tweet. He's a wise man. He is a wise, wise man. I love him. Uh, Plus, unlike me, we can actually read his on the air. Yes, because he was very eloquent. Um, yeah. So anyway, we're going to take a quick, a quick break. When we come back, we're going to read the second part, and uh, we're going to get into it again. Years 1937. For 70 years after a devastating war, the Republic of Texas kept to itself. But it would be rude not to attend the International Naval Review celebrating Britain's new king, George VI. So with war clouds over Europe, Texas sends the elderly armored cruiser San Antonio and her new captain, Carl von Stahlberg. While making new friends and meeting Texas's ancient foe, can Carl and his men avoid sparking a war? Texas at the Coronation, Book 1 in the Republic of Texas Navy Alternate History Series by D.A. Brock. Available now in ebook from Amazon and Kindle Unlimited. Pick up your copy today. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, in the break, uh, Larry and I tried to offend each other, but it just didn't work because, frankly, uh, we just don't care. We're too jaded. We're too jaded. We've seen too many things in this city, in the fog, in the muck. Thanks, Rorschach. <laughs> and all the whores and politicians will look to me from their filth. <laughs> Actually, I should look that one up for an intro to a show. No kidding. <laughs> All right, we're talking about the idiocy of of manipulating our art or allowing yourself to be manipulated and not reading things because someone says that said author is, quote-unquote, problematic. This is dumb. Um, and everybody from everywhere uh, seems to agree with this, uh, unless they're stupid. So, again... If a guy like Larry and a guy like Joe Lansdale can agree on this, then, you know, you, you know that the, that the original poster done messed up. Okay, second tweet from Joe Lansdale, which I also screenshotted because I loved it. He says, You have the right to be offended, and I have the right to not worry about that. Writing can be open to more than one interpretation. Life is just full of little disappointments. To think I was writing to make sure I never offended anyone would be impossible and soul-sucking. Gosh. Joe Lansdale's awesome, folks. Yeah, he is. Once he again, knows. once again, um, I, think, I think if we had to each recommend one book, you'd probably recommend The Bottoms. I love that book. I would, the Goat Man. Yeah, yeah. I would probably recommend The Thicket. It's a Western. Um, or I would recommend his Happen Leonard series because they're freaking gonzo. They're amazing. Yeah, I've not read Happen Leonard. I actually I watched the show and I actually really enjoyed it. The I've show's never, so good. Yeah, but I never read the well. Those two guys, Perforoy oh. and uh, uh, um, Williams, Mike, Michael K. Williams. Michael K. Williams. Dude, he's a, Omar. Yeah, he was Omar in the yeah, Wire. Omar, yeah. He is so good. Well, and again, again, we were talking in the first half about how um, how one of the the reasons that the original poster, who I'm definitely not going to name, was talking about were problematic authors was because, you know, they used um, like racial, specific racial epithets and stuff. Yeah. In period pieces. Yeah. And she absurd. And she singled out one of the most famous authors in all of American history. Did you watch uh, all three seasons that happened, Leonard? Or did you just watch the first season? I think I watched the first two. 
So the third season takes place in a, in an area where racism is heavy. Oh, that's the KKK. Okay, no, I watched all three seasons. Yeah, it's heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. And they just say all sorts of stuff in there. This is in the show. You know, the book is even more yeah uh, detailed, so to speak. I love what Joe Lansdale says here. He says, you have the right to be offended, and I have the right to not worry about it. Think about it, because how can you write stories about bad things that have happened and, like, and like you know, have a story set in that setting and not get into that? I got yelled at for hard magic. Uh, oh, yeah, because of the, the uh, internment camps. Yeah, because I... Um, well, how also, dare you rip off X-Men? Yeah, I actually, I, I had some some dumb idiot get mad at me because <laughs> uh, because at one point I had FDR putting magical people into camps, right, internment <laughs> camps, and they were so offended because I just ripped off the plot of X-Men because, I mean, the idea of the government putting people in camps because they're different. It was definitely just an X-Men thing. Yeah, it had nothing to do with the fact that I was having FDR put people in camps. And I literally, the, you know what the camps were? Topaz. Manzanita. So if you're an idiot and you don't know any American history, FDR actually did throw Americans into prison camps at places like Tokyo. You know the reason I'm like so libertarian and anti-government? I Because the government's given you reasons to be? this is behind the scenes here. I actually, when I was younger, I lived uh, a couple miles from Topaz concentration camp. And I was out there one winter and I went out to the the West Desert where the uh, concentration camp used to be. And there's still a little bit of ruins here and there. And if you've ever been out to the West Desert of Utah, it's one of the most miserable places on earth in the winter. Yeah. Then the, and I was standing out there and I was looking at like, you know, because these people, they put them in like tar paper shacks. They, so the government came and got them from California and stole them from like Orange County, California, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, California, places of beautiful weather, shipped them to Topaz Mountain, Utah. I was out there, it was like 14 degrees below zero and the wind is just slicing right through me. And I'm thinking the government just took like 100,000 Americans from their home and put them in places like this with no due process. And they took all their real estate and gave it to Democrat donors in California. People wonder why I'm the way I am. It's because I live next to Topaz. (laughs) And I, you know, I I mean, I visited concentration camps in Germany. Yeah. And so I get it. Can you see why why we get it? We we don't trust the government. No, we don't trust people. Because we're not idiots. But, but plus we watched X Files, and but, if we learned anything from X Files, it's to trust no one, or or bees, that too. But here's the thing: if you can't write about stuff like this, and you can't write about those feelings and that passion and that horrible things and that traumatic stuff and that offensive stuff, what is your point as an artist? Well, what what are you trying to accomplish then? Yeah, what what, what are you doing? Well, I mean, it's okay because they can offend. They have like a list of things that's okay to offend. Oh, sure. Right, right. I mean, like, like uh, you know, we don't make a secret. We're both, you know, Christian dudes, you know, yeah. heterosexual Christian males. Holy crap. Now that, you can offend the crap out of that. that that's great. That's fine. That's, we're on the list. I mean, you want to insult Mormons, that's okay. You can have a Broadway play insulting Mormons. That's yeah. that's great. That's fine. And they'll cheer you on. If you want to insult rednecks, gun owners, uh, you know, MAGA, whatever, you insult those people to your heart's content. And that's not problematic at all. But if you tread on somebody else's sacred cows, well, whatever that sacred cow of the week is. Yeah. Here's the thing, guys. As an artist, 
Yeah, then they're going to change it because some of these guys on her problematic list were a couple years ago heroes and favorites. Well, yeah, Neil Gaiman was on that list. It was just hilarious because Neil Gaiman is so squishily left-wing. Like, yeah. Neil Gaiman is just Neil Gaiman, and uh, I'm not a Neil Gaiman fan. I mean, but well, and Martin was on the list. I mean, I, I respect Neil Gaiman as a writer and as, for his work ethic. The dude works. Uh, and he's produced a lot of really creative, interesting things. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's not my style, but I respect the dude. I disagree with him about everything, but I respect the guy. And so the fact they got Neil Gaiman on there is problematic. Because, guys, you can never not be problematic. Well, if you're... Look, if, if, the, if the reason for you being problematic is that you just happen to think differently than someone, then who cares? Yeah. It's so like I said, George Martin was a beloved favorite of these people a few years ago. And I think his big sin was uh, he was uh, given the awards at the Hugos or whatever, and he mispronounced, he mispronounced some names. A name. That's why he's problematic, because he mispronounced a name. And that was racially insensitive. Here's the thing. My last name's Korea. With double R's and four vowels. Technically, it's Cohea, but whatever. Yeah, I know it is Cohea, but, but but you can't. But in America, we how dare it. you? Huh? How dare you mispronounce your own name? Because my grandpa said so. <laughs> <laughs> my grandpa walked through Ellis Island and they said Korea, and he's like, "Yeah, that's cool." Okay. <laughs> no, there's the thing. I have spent my entire life, every every classroom I've ever had my name. Well, that wasn't in El Nido, California, where it's all Portuguese, oh, right? Yeah, that's right. That was the only place I was fine there. But everywhere my entire life, I've had everybody mispronounce my name. I've had my name mispronounced at award shows, on TV, radio, uh, wherever, all the time. It is what it is. You know, I have a, I have an odd name for most Anglo-American speakers. I don't give a crap. Because Well, last episode, we talked about getting thicker skins. But honestly, hey, you know, I'm not going to go cancel somebody because they don't understand phonetic spelling or they think the Portuguese roll our R's. <laughs> yeah, they don't do that. We don't roll ours. They don't do that. It's it's really interesting, Larry, because the idea that people are spending so much energy and time on deciding what they should be offended about rather than just moving on with life. Yeah. Well, as artists, you really have two paths before you. You can try to walk their line and you can try to do as they say and live by their commandments. Or you can just go make art. Yeah. And but what happened, here's the thing, and, and we both can name people who tried to walk the line. Inevitably. You can't, you can't walk the line because the line doesn't actually exist. Yeah, it changes. It, it's a perpetually shifting landscape. Yeah. And, and so you might be beloved by them one day and tomorrow they're going to cancel you for something. We've talked about cancel culture on the show before. Yep. I guess this is a little bit different because it's, it's just them declaring you problematic. Guys. As artists, as creatives, as writers, you owe it to yourself to tell the stories that you want to tell. You can't back off from the story you want to tell. Now, once again, if you're right on the flip side, I mean, yeah, can you go too far and turn off too much potential audience? Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, sure. I sure, mean, absolutely. We, I mean, we talk about that when we talk about horror and violence all the time. We, in fact, yep. there, was a, there was a question that came in. Oh, one or two Q and A sessions ago, where they they the well, how much was too much? How much is too much in terms or how of do violence? You not glorify violence yeah. in a, in a YA story. Well, and the, the reality is, the answer is it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's honestly all this stuff is a knob, and you can go, you can turn it from zero to ten, or in the case of Steve, 11. 12, 11, You know the prom scene. Yeah. <laughs> so it just depends on what you're doing. Someone in someone in the Facebook group the other day. 
uh, literally asked, it's like said something to the effect of, hey, uh, how much is too much violence in YA? It seems like, 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 is there such thing as, um, is too much violence in YA? And one of the responses was, Look, looks at residue. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody asked about uh, urban fantasy, and then it's like the snow cutter scene from Monster Hunter Alpha. Right. And once again, it just depends, guys. It depends. The, t- the higher you turn that knob on whatever the triggering subject is, Boo. the more potential readers you might turn off. Potential. 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 Because it doesn't mean that they will. No. The snow, the, the, the snow cutter scene or whatever, in a vacuum... Maybe it is too much, but in context, it's not. No, in context of the book, it makes perfect sense. Just like, just like the prom scene in yep. Residue. By itself, it makes perfect by sense. itself, you might think, eh, that's a little too much, guy. Yeah, not to, not, and once again, defending George Martin, which pains me. Son of a longshoreman, George Martin. Oh, yes. Poor, poor son of a longshoreman. Poor son of a longshoreman. But um, it makes sense in context. Yeah. He, he he has a rapey, incestuous, nasty, awful, depressing world full of victims yeah. and thugs. That is the story that he created in context. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you're writing Magic Sparkle Princess Adventure and you all of a sudden had George Martin-style rape and incest in it, that's pretty bad, right? It's not going to work. Okay, now to be clear, that part will not show up no, in that, Murder Princess Sparkle Tea Party. Yeah, Battle Planet. That That <laughs> aspect will not show up. No. Um, just just to be clear. Guys, it all depends. It all depends. It's all contextual. And yeah, like if honestly, this is why you why you're analytical. We've talked so many times on the show about being analytical as a writer in the product. Because yeah. guys, we're creating product. It's art, but art is a product. And if you think you're turning this stuff up too much that it is actually problematic, eh, you know, that's on you. Right? Well, yeah, I mean... And I'm not saying readers are wrong to be offended, because I've read stuff that I've come away viscerally disgusted by. Oh, yeah. And I'll never read another book by that author again, because it's just gross, you know? Yeah, or, I mean, but you know what? I'm actually more likely to not read something by someone if we go to the other route, where it's just so tame and bland and sanitized. I would rather read gross and disgusting and and I'm offended At least it challenged me. At least it challenged me. Yeah. I'd rather be offended than bored. Yeah, me too. Now, the interesting thing, the last thing that that Joe Lansdale says that I want us to comment on before we close the episode, and that's to think I was writing to make sure I never offended anyone would be impossible and soul-sucking. Amen. There's no way, dude. There's no way that you can go through life and actually be an entertaining author and not offend someone. It's going to happen. Children's books authors offend people. Very frequently. Probably more often than we do. Oh, that's true. Well, I was actually thinking normal children's books. Oh, not yeah. like, Not like the stuff that's showing up in school districts in Florida and Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I can't even describe thing, those. We'd get, we'd get demonetized oh, know, by just right? describing them. But, but I like what he said at the end there, and that's that to do so would be soul-sucking. Yep. Writing books is hard enough as it's it is. It's very hard. You know, you know what... You know what scenes I like writing, Larry, besides violence, obviously, is uh, Larry, Larry just kind of shook. Oh, I just yeah. kind of yeah, nodded. Yeah. yeah. I, I work with Steve uh, enough. I know which ones he gets enthusiastic about. It's, it's the scenes. It is scenes of conflict, whether we're talking about just two people having a disagreement in dialogue or it's the person dealing with um, 
the character dealing with the environment in a conflicting way, or it's the character, um, you know, in a political contest, or straight up violence. Um, all of that conflict, or even just you know, conflict with a with a secondary personality, as I I wrote that story too. Yeah. Um, all of that conflict, when when you're writing it and it's coming out good because both sides are hitting each other hard, man, that stuff's fun to write. Yeah. If I'm writing a scene and it's just, and, and I'm getting bored writing the scene, generally, it's because there's no conflict in that scene. And it's, and when you write, when you're writing that before you realize what you're doing, like, I hate it. I hate it. I'm sitting there and I'm clacking at the keyboard. I'm just going through the motions. I'm like, this is stupid. I hate this. And it generally isn't until far too late where I real until I realize, oh, I should probably just delete all this and add some more conflict. Yep. All right. That's all the time we have for you today. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Writer Dojo. Um, and what I will say once again, if you're gonna if you're gonna pick up a book today based off our recommendations, pick up the bottoms by Joe Lansdale or The Thicket by Joe Lansdale. Yeah, and go be problematic. And go be problematic. Better Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Correa. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Nibo. New episodes come out every Wednesday wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writer dojo by leaving a five-star rating and review and by helping to spread the word to advertise on the writer dojo email ads at writerdojo.com all questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com he's a problematic author because he's just lazy that's what i'd put him on there for
there's a reason that most societies have some form of dueling 